Welcome to the City Church Cardiff podcast. We're an Elim Pentecostal church in the center of Cardiff dedicated to bringing hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you're inspired and impacted by this message. One of the things that I really love about City Church is the amount of nations that are represented in our gatherings. We've got people from Wales and from England and Scotland and Northern Ireland and Ireland. We've also got people from Ghana and Nigeria and Zimbabwe and Zambia and South Africa and Egypt and Sudan and Kenya, Uganda, Eritrea, Lebanon, Iran, Iraq, Philippines, Malaysia, Hong Kong, China, Vietnam, Sri Lanka, India, Brazil, Jamaica, Ukraine, Poland, France, Norway, Greece, and many, many more. Isn't that amazing? It is. It's worthy of a round of applause. You know, I don't think that there's anything quite like what we see here in Wales. And people often say that when they come to visit for the first time. So this would suggest that we are all citizens of one country or another. But I also want to put to you this amazing thought that those of us who are believers in Christ, yes, we may belong to one country, but we also possess a dual citizenship. For despite our national identities and our ethnic heritage, if we are born again by faith in Jesus Christ, we are also now citizens of heaven. The Apostle Paul says this in Philippians 3 and verse 20, that we are citizens of an eternal kingdom where God is king. And that kingdom is a kingdom of power. And this is our new series for the month of October, Kingdom of Power. Now, little did we know when we first planned this series a few months back that we would see a change in the monarchy. And so what a great time to be talking about kings and kingdoms. But I'm not talking about King Charles III, with all due respect. And I'm not talking about the United Kingdom. I'm talking about the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. And I'm talking about the kingdom of God. Now, when we talk about the kingdom and power, we're not talking about worldly military or political power, as some, sadly, even in the church, have confused and inferred uh, in times past and even in the present. No, we're talking about spiritual power, because the kingdom of God is a supernatural kingdom. Now, the title of this series, Kingdom of Power, actually comes from 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 20, where the apostle Paul says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Now, let's get something clear here. Paul is not denying the importance of words in this verse, the words that we use to proclaim the gospel. Words do matter. And Paul, of all people, would know this as the single largest human contributor to the books of the New Testament. So Paul is not saying that the kingdom of God has nothing to do with words. Paul would be very familiar with the fact that we can release the power of God through our words. He would be familiar with the stories of Jesus casting out demons and healing people simply by his word. So he's not separating word and power. What Paul is saying here in the letter to the Corinthians, and he would be familiar with the Corinthian context 
I'm sure they would be steeped in Greek philosophy, eloquent, emotionally stirring, intellectually stimulating speech. Paul is talking about words that are empty of power. And he is reminding people about the importance of the anointing of the Holy Spirit in kingdom life. He's saying that it's not enough to simply speak the words of the kingdom, though we must do that. We must also manifest the glory and the power of the kingdom of God too. And so we see him in Romans 15, verses 18 to 19. I'll read it to you. He says, Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message, his words, and by the way I worked among them. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. And then he's able to say how he was able to fully present the good news of Jesus Christ all over the place. And in this series, Kingdom of Power, we're going to be looking at the ministry of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit wants to empower each of us for the work of the kingdom. We're going to be looking at biblical concepts such as prayer and faith. We're going to be looking about the power of prayer and the power of faith. And we're going to be reminding you about how you can walk in supernatural power, the supernatural power of God every single day. And I want to tell you that we are contending for nothing less than a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that even today and throughout this series, these messages will provoke you, stir within you a hunger for the increasing manifestation of the supernatural power of God. You see, it's our conviction that signs, that wonders, that miracles are a normal, natural, everyday part of life for the Christian believer. That the kingdom of God is a kingdom of power and that we can take that power wherever we go. If you believe that, can you say amen? Now, last month, our series was called Show and Tell. It was all about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that is worth sharing. And we talked about the need to both proclaim and demonstrate the gospel, to both speak and show the gospel. And we see this throughout the New Testament in Acts chapter 8 and verse 6. It says, when the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. And then in 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 5, Paul says, Our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. Again, the proclamation and the demonstration of the gospel. We go to the gospel writer Matthew, who states that Jesus was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness amongst the people. Or in Mark 1 and verse 39, Mark, the gospel writer, says that Jesus was preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons, preaching the gospel and demonstrating the gospel. When you look at the ministry of Jesus, in fact, there is a connection between the preaching of the gospel and signs, wonders, and miracles following. Jesus, he healed the sick, he opened blind eyes, he fixed deaf ears, he cast out demons, he cleansed lepers, he multiplied food, he even raised the dead. And Jesus promised to his disciples, that he would confirm their gospel message too with signs 
following. And that's why in Mark chapter 16 and verse 20, it says, Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Imagine if that was true for us, the disciples here at City Church Cardiff. Then the disciples in Cardiff went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. And as we saw with our show and tell series, becoming a Christian is just the beginning. You see, as life-changing and as destiny-defining as that moment of saying yes to Jesus is, the gospel is not simply about having our sins forgiven. That's because we're not just saved from something, we are saved for something. But the problem is that all too often we stop at personal forgiveness. And in doing this, we fail to pursue the life of the kingdom or walk in God's power. Yes, the Holy Spirit, he does a work within us at salvation. It's a beautiful work and an important and a necessary work. But it's not just that. He also wants to come upon us too in order to empower us to live out the life of the kingdom of God here on this earth. Christians, we frequently speak of going to heaven. And that's certainly appropriate because what a beautiful promise it is that we will go to heaven and be reunited with God in his eternal kingdom. But sometimes we do that to the detriment of the biblical picture of something of heaven coming down to earth today. Yes, we long for that day of Christ's full rule and reign over all creation. Friends, one day he's going to usher in the new heavens and the new earth. Evil is going to be eradicated. Justice is going to be done. And we're going to be living in perfect union with God forever. But here's the thing. Between now and then, we're not simply, as believers, meant to just mark our time on earth waiting to go to heaven. We're not just meant to survive this life. We're not just meant to tolerate the enemy's activities. No, we need to realize that we have the possibility. And can I also say not just the possibility, but the responsibility. The possibility and the responsibility to see the kingdom of God come in increasing measure on this earth today. To see the kingdom of power manifested in our earthly reality. That's why we want to say to you, miracles, signs, and wonders, they are not the exception. They are the norm. This means that if we are not walking in the supernatural power of God, corporately, individually, then we're walking in less than our spiritual birthrights because they should be a natural part of our everyday life. Now, let me say here at the outset, that doesn't mean that this side of heaven, every single person that we ever pray for will be physically healed all of the time. Now, we've taught on this extensively before. You know, the Bible shows that in this world, we even as believers will have trouble. It also talks about the eternal purposes of God. And God may well have reasons why he allows things in our lives beyond our present ability to understand he is God and we are not. But significantly, the Bible also shows that the kingdom is both present and future, both now 
and not yet. And we are living between the times. We are living between a work begun but not yet complete, between fulfillment and consummation, between a decisive already, which happened when Jesus Christ came the first time, he died on the cross and rose from the dead, a decisive already, and a still to be worked out, not yet, which will only be worked out when Jesus comes again in his second coming. But the fact is that the kingdom of God has come, that chains have been broken, but the final consummation of God's kingdom still lies in the future. But because that new age has already begun, we can and we should pray for healing today. But because it has not yet been fully consummated, it's not necessarily the case that every sick person will be healed. Though it is the case that in everything, in all things, including sickness, God always works for the good of those who love him, as Romans 8.28 says. But when you read the New Testament, it's clear that the kingdom of heaven is not just a future kingdom, but a kingdom to be experienced now. In fact, when it comes to how the New Testament talks about the kingdom of God, it never exclusively talks about heaven, but rather God's kingdom coming on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. And that's why it's possible to do the kingdom stuff now. In fact, God wants us to do the kingdom stuff now, to build his kingdom here, to push back the forces of darkness, to see things reconciled to him, to bring the rule of God into every sphere of our lives. That's the agenda of the kingdom of God today, the establishment of the rule and reign of God across all parts of the earth, the spheres of influence that we are involved in, perhaps where we are this time tomorrow at university, at work, in the home, in our communities, bringing the rule and reign of God there. And this is why we should not think of miracles as the exception, but the norm. And with the qualification that I've already made, that not everyone we pray for will necessarily be healed this side of heaven, let me say this, because I want to suggest to you that in nations such as ours, Christians should be seeing a whole lot more miracles than what we're presently experiencing. Why? You open up the pages of the New Testament. It's the birthright of the Spirit-filled Bible-believing church. So with that introduction to our Kingdom of Power series laid, let's go into today's message. My message is entitled, Manifesting Kingdom Power. Now, it's worth saying when I'm using the word manifesting, I'm not talking about that latest new age TikTok trend, that craze called manifesting. It's a distortion of um, biblical principles and spirituality. The way I'm using manifest is in its normal sense. To manifest simply means to display or make visible or evident something that was previously unclear or invisible. We're talking about making visible the power of God and walking in the promises of God that he says are possible for his church. Now, Jesus, he announced the coming of the kingdom and he manifested it. He displayed it with signs and wonders. In fact, you could say that the message of the kingdom, the gospel, the message of the kingdom and the miracles of the kingdom are the manifestation of the kingdom, the demonstration of the kingdom of God at work. 
And the healings and miracles of Jesus are indeed the evidence that the kingdom of God has come into our world. Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11 and verse 20, But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When Jesus was doing things such as driving out demons, Jesus was demonstrating the presence of the kingdom of God now here on this earth. This reminds us that the kingdom of God is about the breaking in of the rule of God into the present evil age. It's about pushing back the darkness and God's kingdom of power and light and love and hope coming in instead. And yet today, when one looks (coughs) upon much of the Western church at large, and there are exceptions, there seems to be a power deficit, an absence of power. You know, the disciples, they once faced a power deficit. They tried to drive out a demon, and they couldn't. And they said to Jesus, why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus said to them, it's because they had little faith, and because some things only come out by prayer and fasting. And that's why in this series, we're going to be talking specifically about the power of faith and also the power of prayer. But a power deficit. You see, though the church was born in the power of the Spirit at Pentecost, when one looks across much of the Western church, at least today, there seems to be that power deficit. People are talking about an energy crisis. There is an energy crisis, too, in the church. A lack of power. But would you hear what the Holy Spirit is saying? The way things are are not the way things are supposed to be. It's time to walk according to our spiritual birthright. Friends, ultimately, we are a spiritual people. We're in a spiritual war. And therefore, we need heaven's supernatural resources to see God's purposes come to pass. You see, God never intended for us to fight the powers of darkness the world in terms of that system of ideas that is in hostility to God, the flesh as well, the kingdom of darkness, the world, the flesh. He never intended for us to fight these things with our own resources. He intended us to live by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 9, verses 1 to 2, it says the following, that when Jesus had called the 12 together, and remember, he calls us too, he gave them Power and authority. Everybody say, power and authority. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. There it is again. Proclamation and demonstration. Do you know what? That same power and authority, we have it too. Just think about the difference between power and authority for a moment. Authority has to do with permission. It's an authorization to perform a task. Power has to do with the actual ability to do that task. And Jesus gives us both authority and power. He gave the disciples the right to cast out those demons, but it was power that gave them the capability to drive out demons and to cure diseases. Now, let me tell you something. The day you became a Christian, you became a child of God, and because you became a child of God, in the fullest sense of the word, you were invested 
with authority from heaven. Now, let's be careful here because we can't divorce that authority from intimacy and holiness. And we've got to steward that. But the day you became a Christian, you were given authority. Every believer, we have authority. But are we walking in power? Have we sought the empowering of the Holy Spirit so that we can live out that authority? You see, and we've taught about this in a number of uh, times past here at City Church, for instance, in our series called Saturated. We've talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And if you've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's an experience that is subsequent to salvation, that is subsequent to salvation. It happens um, after that conversion moment. Well, the day you received that baptism in the Holy Spirit, you were infused with dynamic power, dynamite power for witness and for supernatural breakthrough. And it's that baptism in the Holy Spirit that is the entrance point into discovering this kingdom of power. Now, the problem is, it's twofold. Many believers, we don't realize the authority that we have in Christ, number one. And number two, even if we do realize the authority that Jesus has given us so that we can exercise power, often I've seen that we don't end up living that. We don't end up seeking the anointing of the Holy Spirit, power and authority. Speaking of which, at the start of this message, you will recall, we talked about citizenship, the various countries that we may be citizens of. A citizen, citizen is a person who legally belongs to a country and therefore has the rights and the protections of that country. Now, the citizenship you hold makes a big difference because it gives you certain rights. In fact, you often realize the value of your citizenship if you're away from your home country and you have a problem. Now, on the screen, I've got a picture of the inside cover of my passport, uh, which shows, it demonstrates my British citizenship. Now, of course, at some point, um, this is going to need to be updated to reflect the accession of King Charles III. But it reads like this. Her Britannic Majesty's Secretary of State requests and requires in the name of Her Majesty all those whom it may concern to allow the bearer, that's me, to pass freely without let or hindrance and to afford the bearer such assistance and protection as may be necessary. This is talking about the rights and the protection I have because I'm a British citizen with a British passport. I want to tell you, friends, this preaches to me because, do you know what? When you made the choice to follow Jesus Christ, to become his disciple, when you received him as the Lord and the Savior of your life, right there and then you became a citizen of heaven. And you were given a passport, the passport of the kingdom of heaven. And at that point, authority and privileges were bestowed upon you as a child of God, as a citizen of heaven. You know, I was reminded of this when I was visiting a certain country a few years back. I was invited there to go and preach at a couple of conferences. And I did. I got there. It was a long flight. And I made it through um, passport control. And I made it through the uh, baggage area, at least I got my bags. And just as I was going out, I was thinking, yes, I've done it, because I heard lots of stories about what happens at this airport. I thought, I've done it. And a security official came to me 
And he asked to see my yellow fever certificate. So I showed it to him. And he just started making stuff up about it wasn't compliant here, compliant there. Anyway, eventually, I was brought into a room. And there were some more senior officials there. And a lady said to me, she said, welcome, sir. Do you know I have the power to admit or to deny your entry to our country? And then she said to me, I'd like to ask you a question, therefore. How much would you like to come to our country? I looked at her, and then she said, how much would you like to come to my country? And she did it again. And you can see what the hand gesture meant. And in that moment, I quickly prayed internally about what to do. And I felt a boldness come upon me. And so I said to her, you know, I really want to come to your country. In fact, I am a pastor from the United Kingdom. And I'm here in the name of Jesus Christ to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the beautiful people of your nation. And I kid you not, in that very moment, she said, you're a pastor. Oh, please forgive me. And as she did that, she said, please go, pastor. But first... Would you bless me? And first, would you pray for me? Now, I won't tell you what I did there, but it did remind me of the authority that we have as believers. Pastors or not, we are all citizens of heaven. And as citizens of heaven, there is an authority that we carry because we serve our God. And his kingdom is a kingdom of power. And so I want to tell you, you may recall the words of my passport, but in the name of his majesty, the king of kings, we have a passport belonging to the kingdom of heaven. That color of that passport is blood red. And I want to tell you, our eternal visa has been irrevocably stamped in, paid in full. And that means that the devil has to let us pass without let or hindrance. It means that we can walk in the authority and the power of God. Let's discover who we really are and the authority that we have. But you know what? There's something better than citizen. Ambassador. 2 Corinthians 5.20 tells us that we are Christ's ambassadors too. Now, an ambassador doesn't represent himself or herself. The British ambassador, for instance, ultimately goes now with the king's mandate and the king's authority. That ambassador is invested with authority. It's like the police officer. I've got a number of friends who are police officers. I'm thinking of uh, one person in particular. She's quite small, but she can stand on the road and she lifts her hands. And when she lifts her hands, traffic stops. When I lift my hands, traffic doesn't stop. In fact, I've got to jump out of the way. But she, there in her uniform and with her badge, she has the power to stop traffic. Why? Is it because people look at her and say, all right, oh, I'm not going to mess with her? No. But they see authority. Not her own authority, but they see that she is not standing alone in the middle of the road, but she is standing with the backing of the whole government behind her as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We have the government of God backing us up. Let me stay in this line of imagery for a moment. You know, an ambassador stays in an embassy. It's the official residences and offices for the ambassador and her staff. And when you visit an embassy of any given country, do you know, it's like you're in that country. You get a tiny little bit of that country. Now, remember, uh, one time I went to Nigeria. I had to go to the Nigerian embassy in London. And what happened was, I was in London, and I stepped through the threshold, and no lie, it was like I walked through some kind of portal, and I was suddenly in Lagos. 
I mean, the hustle and the bustle, the smells, the sounds, and what was going on there. It was like I was in a totally different country. And do you know what? Legally, I was for all intents and purposes. Because even the police and the security forces here in the UK, the host country here of this Nigerian embassy, they have to seek permission to enter into that foreign embassy. An embassy is also a place of refuge and sanctuary and peace for those who are stranded in a foreign country. When I'm in another country, and if there's a problem, if I can make it to the British embassy, the moment I step foot on that ground, it's like I'm in the UK, even though I'm, of course, somewhere else. But it's like I'm in the UK because I have all the rights, the benefits, and the protection that I would have in the UK. In fact, while I'm there, British law is at play in that space. So what does this all mean? Well, the church is meant to be like an embassy of heaven. A little bit of heaven, a long way from home. And in that embassy of heaven, that's where heaven's rule and heaven's values are in place. You know, Satan, he rules this world. He has his kingdom. But as ambassadors, we have diplomatic immunity. And we are subject instead not to Satan's laws. We are subject to the governing authority and the jurisdiction of heaven. And I want to tell you, the devil has no authority in heaven. And that's why we can drive him out. In fact, if you look at the pages of Scripture, in the realm of the kingdom of God, it's normal for sickness to be healed, for demons to flee, and for breakthroughs to take place. That is the norm. And that's why I want to tell you, the way things are are not the way things are supposed to be. Church, would you hear the word of the Lord? It's time to get back to normal. Not any kind of normal that you may be thinking. I'm talking about New Testament normal. Signs, wonders, and miracles being our everyday experience. You see, on the cross, Jesus ripped the authority of Satan away from him. He disarmed him. He delivered a fatal blow to him, and his original plan was restored. It's our role to allow the kingdom of power, the kingdom of God, to infiltrate all spheres of our lives. The work of God's kingdom involves restoring all that has been broken, broken people, unjust systems, broken relationships, anything that has been separated from God and needs to be healed, reconciled, and set right. This is our job, and we have authority and power to do that. Now, how much of heaven has God purposed to become manifest here on earth? I don't know. Only God knows. But I want to tell you this at least. Scan through the pages of church history. Just skim the scriptures. The Bible is a supernatural book. Miracle after miracle after miracle. So here's one thing I do know. There's more of heaven available than what we're experiencing right now on this earth. We're called to be a supernatural people. And God's kingdom is a kingdom of power. And here's the thing I want us to get. And we'll be unpacking this further in this series in a few weeks' time. We can pray. This is the power of prayer. We can pray something of the future kingdom into our present reality. In fact, Jesus told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, in Cardiff even, as it is in heaven. So God's kingdom, I've said, involves restoring that which has been broken, that which has been separated from God. As we believe as a church, 
and pray about the re-evangelization of our nation and the transformation of our society. Our job as Christians is to partner with God in seeing his kingdom come to earth to bring something of heaven to earth today. Do you know what? This is nothing short of revolutionary. It's a mission worth dying for. It's a mission certainly worth living for. God has given the church authority to bring even a little bit of heaven down to earth today. That what exists in heaven can exist here too. That through faith and through prayer, through the exercise of these things, we can see the authority that God has given us. We can see it realized in our present day experience. In fact, Christ's dominion is realized when what happens here is as it is in heaven. Now, I like the way the NASB version translates Matthew 18 and verse 18, where Jesus says, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. I think this version captures the original Greek um, much more accurately. And notice the phrase, shall have been. The implication here is that we can only bind and loose what has already been bound or loosed in heaven. You see, contrary to what some extreme prosperity faith preachers preach, and sadly, you can often find them on certain kinds of Christian media, we can't bind God's or God. We can't bind him by our words. Uh, these preachers, they have a faulty, unbiblical view of faith. And they actually teach that Jesus is bound by our words. So if you speak something out, God is obliged to fulfill it. Let me tell you something. If God isn't doing it, and if God hasn't permissioned it, then it ain't going to happen, no matter how much you confess it. And no matter how much you even believe it. True faith is about looking to the authentic promises of God in Scripture and what the Holy Spirit may, may have whispered into our heart. It's not about looking to our own whims and desires, our greeds, our lusts, our fancies. In other words, faith involves believing what God has already revealed and then laying hold of that and bringing that down through prayer into our earthly reality. So this is what Jesus is saying in Matthew 18 and verse 18 in the context of the church, that the church is his chosen vessel to bring the kingdom of God to earth. And he's given us, the church, authority to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth through the activity of prayer as we put our faith in him. This is why we can believe God to walk in supernatural power every single day that our gospel words will be backed up by powerful demonstrations that Jesus has the power to save and to heal. Jesus told the disciples, and he told believers everywhere, in fact, before he ascended, he said, but you will receive power, Acts 1 and verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in um, all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The church is Christ's body commissioned to carry out his kingdom work of bringing God's will, heaven's reality, and heaven's realities, I should say, into our world. We've been given power to do that, power to reconcile everything back to God because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has been poured out precisely so that through the work of the church, the kingdom of God may come on earth as it is in heaven. The Holy Spirit equips us to live supernatural lives, clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is how we bring heaven down. 
and how we can reconcile things back to God. My friends, to be sure, the full manifestation of power and glory shall only be experienced when Christ returns to this earth. But between now and then, we can experience more. More of the power of God's kingdom each and every day. Let me remind you that when the New Testament speaks about the kingdom of God, it never, ever refers to heaven exclusively. It always refers to God's kingdom coming on earth, even in small measure, but coming on earth as it is in heaven. And that's why Jesus told us to keep on praying. Matthew 6 and verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the kingdom of heaven is not just a future kingdom, but it's a kingdom present, it's a kingdom now. And God wants us to do the kingdom stuff now, to experience even what they saw in the early church and more and greater things. Christ's dominion is realized when it is on earth as it is in heaven. That's why we're called to pray in this way. Friends, I want to tell you, Jesus Christ, he is coming back. Personally, physically, visibly, we taught on that in a series earlier this year called The End of the World as We Know It. We looked specifically at the second coming of Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you this. Before Jesus Christ comes back for his church, he wants to come back in his church with his presence, with his purity, and with his power. The world needs to see the real deal. The world needs to see the true church. The world needs to see the kingdom of power. We owe them that much, at least. The demonstration of the kingdom of God under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you, Jesus, he's not coming back for a dying church, a weak church, a dwindling church, an ineffectual church. He's coming back for the kind of church he was envisioning when he said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Our call is to receive and steward the authority and power of Christ and then to go out and to manifest the kingdom of power in our world. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. To find out more, visit our website at citychurchcardiff.com or find us on social media.